Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston Sports Podcast. And joining me is our favorite Rockets expert, Frank with Rockets Chop Shop. And for those wondering why I sound a little strange, still recovering from jaw surgery. The nerves are frozen, so kind of bear with me. I hope everybody uh, understands me pretty well out there. But Frank, it's great to see you after these last few weeks. Great to see you. And um, I don't know if you're going to get this reference, but um, there's a Kanye West song called Through the Wire, where he that's really what made him famous. He was rapping with his wire, his jaw wired shut. And uh, you definitely are giving those vibes right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a little frustrating, but hopefully I'll, I'll get uh, this stuff will ease up and I'll, I'll be able to talk like I normally do pretty soon. Uh, uh, just out of curiosity, Frank, are there any players that you've heard rumored to be available around the NBA that you trade the Rockets fourth pick for? I mean, we've heard a lot of rumors, but is there anybody that you're you're like, well, yeah, yeah, I would trade the fourth pick for that guy? I haven't necessarily heard about them trading for any players, but, you know, obviously there's a lot of free agents. The Rockets have been tied to the Dylan Brooks, which I'm totally against. Uh, they have the random Zion being thrown in there. James Harden, of course. Kyrie Irving. Just a list of just self-sabotaging free agents. Um, it seems like whatever the most controversial players in the NBA, that's what the, who the Rockets are going to be rumored to target. But um, I propose trading back. If we did trade back, especially if Henderson is off the board by the time we pick, especially if, uh, you know, uh, even Thompson, the man is off the board. I'm not really that high on Brendan Miller. Uh, to really, to be honest with you, uh, for both, just I think that our team, the needs right now, we need somebody that's going to be a, a facilitator for us. Um, and I just feel like we've drafted a bunch of Brandon Millers. Like to me, Jabari is Brandon Miller. Jalen, to a lesser extent, is Brandon Miller. A, guy, a bunch of guys that are going to be de- dependent on somebody else to help facilitate for them. I want to come out of this rebuild with a, with a guard, at least a ball handler that can uh, distribute, playmake. In that case, you know, I've floated, you know, the trading back for to Indiana. Um, you know, there's a news article said that they wanted to draft or, or to sign a wing. Hey, they can go draft one it, it, with a, either Cam Whitmore or Brandon Miller. If we if they let us trade back, they're at seven. I trade back and try to get Miles Turner from them if, if you know, if they're willing to do that, because I just don't see that team as is built right now doing anything. Obviously, Orlando's at six and eleven. You could trade back. Uh, I spoke on Lockdown Rockets about a, a theoretical trade of trading back to um, six, just six, and trying to get back, let them get uh, get up to four, and we'll take uh, Jalen Suggs off their hand, which he's a guard that I'd be interested in trying to take a flyer on and see what he does as they get crowded in their backcourt over there. So other than that, like as far as trying to use that pick to get free agents in the open NBA market, I think I'd rather just either trade back and try to get a younger player or just draft the pick. Yeah, I, I just assumed that the Pacers, if they were going to trade the seventh pick for a wing, it would be for a veteran wing, right, Frank? I mean, that that's what you would make that. Because if you're going to get a young wing, then uh, I don't understand why you wouldn't wait because there, there might still be some wings on the board. And I feel like Miles Turner, once they re-signed him, he's, he's in the plans for them now. I, I don't know why they would want to trade Miles Turner at this point with uh, the, the rest of the guys they got on their roster and, and kind of where they're at where they at in a rebuild. And that's a good point, and that's probably what the Pacers are going to do in in real life. My my um, theory behind it and the reason I would do it is because 
Um, even though I don't like Brendan Miller, for example, for our team, because of what I said already of the type of player that I think the Rockets should try to get, I still think Brendan Miller is going to be a good NBA player that could possibly be, uh, you know, maybe a second team all NBA, maybe an all-star level, because he is a dynamic scorer, one of the best scorers in the NCAA. I think you pair that up, especially with the young talent they have in, in Indiana. I feel like there's nobody on the market that they'd be able to land, even an older veteran that may help them in the short term that would outweigh what having maybe five to seven years of Brandon Miller or Cam Whitmore would do for that franchise, along with Halliburton, Ben Matherin, and all those guys. I mean, you could potentially have the buds of, of, of a contender going for it. So that's, that's what I would think. It gives them more upside. It's younger. It's a cheap contract. You know what I mean? That, that also has to factor into it, but um, I'm sure that they really love Miles Turner, but I, I also love him. I think he'd be a great fit in Houston um, and would solve a lot of the issues that we have on both sides of the court. But, you know, I, I don't know if they do that. The Orlando one, that's also dependent on whether they actually are ready to move on from Suggs. A lot of people are low on him. I think he's kind of a distressed asset right now. I, I would take a flyer on him. I think that on Houston, he would get more of an opportunity to play that point guard role um, because we have a, such a need for that position. Whereas in Orlando, they got, you know, Franz is a ball handler. Paulo is a ball handler. Uh, they might even draft somebody that could that could ball handle a little bit. Um, they have Markel Fultz there. They have Cole Anthony. They just have so many guys, so many young guys that um, he, he's kind of like a fifth or sixth option over there at this point. So they might as well try to use him as a trade chip to go get a wing that they need some shooting and Brendan Miller, Cam Whitmore. So those are two teams that I could I would make deals with to try to get some players off of them. Yeah, on Brandon Miller, I just I just believe there's going to be no major surprises for the Rockets at four because Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller, they should be gone. I mean, basically, everybody puts them in a second tier that I've heard. And if you're not high on one of those two guys, if you're Portland or Charlotte, then somebody's going to trade up and they're going to grab those two guys. And I, I just don't think the Rockets have what uh, Portland or Charlotte would be looking for to move up to grab those guys, either because Charlotte or Portland uh, picked them or somebody traded to grab them. Do you agree that Scoot and Brandon Miller should, should probably be gone? And if so, who would you pick if, if you were the Rockets if they are both gone? So if Scoot is gone, Brandon Miller's gone, uh, man Thompson. And I, I I don't know. I saw something saying that he had a bad workout with the Rockets. I don't know how true that is. But depending on what they think about him, I still think that you just have to roll the dice and go ahead and see what his upside can be um, by, by taking him. I still think he's a, a better prospect than Cam Whitmore. I'm not really thrilled with Cam Whitmore as a prospect. I know a lot of people like his athleticism. I look at his measurables. I look at his skill set. It doesn't really excite me. And I think what people tend to do when they view these prospects, and especially for us, we should learn this by now. Whatever players' weaknesses are, they're going to be heightened times 100 when they get to their, especially their first year in the NBA. So if a player can't dribble like Jabari, then it's going to be very noticeable when they actually enter the league with these NBA defenders, uh, schemes, everything's moving so fast. I know going into men, Thompson is going to have trouble shooting. Uh, I know he's going to be a great athlete, but I know one thing, he can pass, he can play make, he can be on the court with other scorers. The Cam Whitmore's over the world, Without a high-level guard, I just don't see what his upside is. Like, you know, a, a great 3-and-D athletic role player, is that what you were going to come out of the draft with Jabari, Jalen, and a 3-and-D athletic role player? 
I think that's to me, that's just not what I envisioned for us. I'd rather I just take a dice, roll the dice on a man Thompson and just see where he lands. Worst case scenario, he's a six, seven wing with a long wingspan that I can use as a Draymond Green that can facilitate, play some good defense and just hustle. He could be Aaron Gordon out there with a little bit of playmaking. So, yeah, that's that's my view on on I would take a man Thompson. I agree with you. I mean, the Thompson twins scare me because shooting is such a major skill in the NBA. But the more I thought about it, Cam Whitmore's lack of playmaking scares me a tad more. I've also heard so many more positives about the Thompson twins. And if you want to take amen, because it seems like uh, Ahmed Thompson is, is the favorite among them. I just hear much more positives about their work ethic that I've heard about Kim Whitmore. Also, I look for elite skill sets, Frank, because when you're looking for a guy that could be exceptional in the NBA, you want something that he's great at, like could be top five. And they got two of them. And Ahmed, especially, I think, with his defense and playmaking. I know Asur's the better defender right now, but both of them, you know, have the same kind of athleticism. And with those two, I just feel like that's really the separator for me. And that's where I'm looking at. Um, if, if the shooting fails, your plan B is that, like I said, he's going to be a, a wing version of you try to mold that into that Aaron Gordon, Draymond Green, that, that defender, you can throw him on the team's best scoring wing. And at the same time, he could facilitate, especially depending on what type of offense the Rockets are running. Um, and, I, you know, it's going to be tough in the playoffs, but, you know, we just saw – uh, a team win win the championship having that player archetype and and the blueprint for those players and it's always been there whether it's Rodman whether it's uh, Draymond whether it's Aaron Gordon whoever you, on these teams these guys that are not great shooters can they defend at a high level can they rebound and, and can they cut read the game and make smart plays I think a man has the upside and the IQ and talk about a guy that interviews well if you hear him talk about basketball or just working and the love of the game it just comes through the screen every time you know he's a student of the game and we need more of those guys on the Rockets and I think that he has the upside to be able to do all those things at a high level you put some good passers around him some guys he could play make for some good shooters around him some good scorers a good coach and I think he's a, he can be a piece of, of a good of a good uh good contender going forward despite his shooting uh, limitations yeah you put him in a screen with Shane Goon and get him downhill at all and it's going to be a vector yeah. or even a screen Frank with Jalen Green because what what you could do is you you have him screen for Jalen and if, if they decide to come you know double on Jalen or you know t- try to get Jalen out of the play then he gets the ball and he's going towards the basket and he's going to be hard to stop and with his passing you've got a three three on four advantage right there or That's, four on three I mean, we've, yeah four on three we we, we 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 see it Draymond and Steph. I'm not saying that's the level Jalen there and then we're going to, but just think about that. What Draymond does, especially when he's rolling short, rolling down to the basket, his ability to pass, especially as a screener for Steph, obviously Jalen has to be a lot better as a shooter. We already know he has the athleticism to get downhill, but Jalen's shot has to be more consistent for that to be a, the ultimate threat. But him screening for a guy like Jalen coming off that screen, if Jalen can be a 38% three point shooter, you know, teams want to start switching that. And then you get, a man Thompson running downhill with the ball in his hand on a short pass and just wrecking havoc. You know, Jabari's on the far side corner ready for the three. 
if the help comes, he could dunk on the guy there. He's going to beat the big man to the basket because he's going to be one of the best athletes in the NBA. Yeah, I'm not like, I understand the shooting woes, but um, I think that you can be creative with how you, you use him. And I think the blueprint is there once again. I think the Draymond Green role, where he, even though he's a point guard or, uh, or facilitator, he can initiate the offense, but the ball doesn't stick in his hands. You need to get down past half court and get into your action right away so the defense can't load up. Use him in screens so that man's sagging off of him. If you got a shooter coming off of that screen, then they're going to pay for that. So you got to play them honest. I mean, you could watch the Denver, Miami, all these teams, even um, Sacramento that have these guys that can't shoot. They punish you for playing that defensive style where um, you, you know, you're trying to sag off of them. Another team that did it with Russell Westbrook on the Clippers, the difference between elite coaching, how Ty Lue used Russ compared to Vogel and, um, and Ham, Ty, Ty Lue, once he saw what they, the uh, Warriors did to Russ, they started using him to screen for Paul George and Kawhi. And it, it worked, you know, while they were healthy until they got hurt. But, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not the ideal fit, but he has a lot of upside on, on other aspects of the game. And I think that it'll be a good pick. I'd be happy with the men Thompson at four if he's there. I just don't think he's going to be there, bro. I think Brendan Miller is probably um, going to be the guy that falls. Yeah, I would just be surprised because I just feel like, even if Portland or Charlotte isn't sold on Brandon Miller, I think there are other teams that would be willing to trade up. And I don't see teams maybe necessarily want to trade up for Ahmed Thompson because they might say, well, I would rather I'll just, you know, hang back. Maybe yeah, sure. I'll pick a, a sore Thompson as, as twin or there's other guys that fit that mold. And, you know, I, I, I just I, it's hard for me to be, believe that Brandon Miller, who is thought of as either two or three for the last few months by most people is all of a sudden gonna gonna drop because look Portland they're not real set on keeping this pick anyway and you know if, if they're like yeah well we don't want Brandon Miller I can't I, I can imagine some other teams are gonna swoop in and you know that Portland might just say we'll, we'll trade back or we'll do something else yeah I mean you've I know, I know you saw the news of um, Washington and Portland and talks with trades surrounding Beal or something like that. I think it's going to come down to the team to actually make the deal with. If it's a, if it's a team like Washington, then they would take a man Thompson because I don't think any team that's like trying to get into a rebuild is going to take Brandon Miller as their pick. That's just me. I don't, I don't think that's a, this is our first guy. We're going to rest the franchise on this back type of pick, but you never know. Like they may have certain things. I think it all depends on the context of that team. There are certain teams like Orlando. If Orlando somehow got to the third pick, maybe they give Portland 6-11 and, uh, you know, what's the kid over there from Denver that uh, is playing for them? And maybe a package or, uh, uh, around, and they send some guys over to Portland. They might not want to take on the men Thompson when they already have, you know, kind of shaky shooting with Paulo Bancaro and some of the guys they have. They may want a Brandon Miller. That'd be a perfect fit there with all the ball handlers they have. So it is very team dependent. I just, I don't know. To my, I have a gut feeling that that's who we're going to draft. I don't like some of the things I'm seeing and some of the workouts really. I know they're just workouts. He just doesn't look explosive to me as an NBA player. And I think that I saw some of that on film where he hits a lot of tough shots in college, but those tough shots get tougher in the NBA. And a lot of those tough shots are going to turn into bad shots. And we could see how Jabari struggled, the guy that couldn't create a lot of space. Now, Brandon can create more space than Jabari, but I don't think like to your point, it's elite enough to really make a difference at that level. And so he's going to struggle early. And I, I just don't know. I just, we already have that. 
I, I want somebody that could actually be our point guard and set the offense. And I just, if we leave the, this this three year um, tanking and, and getting in the top five without grabbing a guard that could actually pass, I, I'm I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, I, I'm just saying I would be surprised if he slipped, but we'll see. We'll know in a few days. Uh, what do you, what do you make of the story that Shangoon is taller? Is it six eleven? They're saying now. Seven, seven, five. I don't know. I think it was seven foot last night. <laughs> um, I don't know. He was, uh, so wait, last year he, they said he was six eleven, but I think he is probably like six ten. Um, I mean, it makes sense. He's, he's young. A lot of people grow into their early twenties. He might have, you know, one more spurt. I, you know, I think for all our guys, what, what it says is just points to you how young these players are. And a lot of the things that we look at with them, it's really looking through the eyes of a 19, 20-year-old. I'm really curious to see how their bodies develop over the next three to four years. What does uh, Jalen look like at 24 years old? What does uh, Alperin look like as a 24, 25-year-old? Same thing for Jabari. I know you've seen the videos. Seems like Jabari is a gym rat. Um, what does that kid look like in three or four years after three NBA off-seasons, summer seasons, uh, You know, finally having the money to pay for a nu- nutritionist, not having to go to class? lifting weights, having a trainer, having a dietitian, getting uh, stretched and all that stuff that he's going to yoga like he's doing, doing that for four years. What is, you know, it's exciting. That's part of the the good thing about building through the draft is, and we saw this with Denver, is that you really have to hunker down and watch your guys grow and develop. I think Udoka, having them come in and work out together, um, I, I like the vibes I'm getting, even though I haven't seen anything in like in person. I just feel like this offseason, everybody knows that there's a lot on the line and it's really showing up. Um, and I just think that we're going to see some leaps from some of these guys after the training camp they're going to have with the real coach that's going to push their buttons, hold them accountable. I think they want it and uh, they might not like it, but I think it's really going to help unlock new levels for the players. So if Shangun is actually uh, 6, 11, 7 foot tall, yeah, man, he, he it gets real interesting for him as a prospect because I already think he's one of our better prospects. But if he's actually a seven footer when it's all said and done, then he might be, yeah, he might be the guy on the team. Yeah, I thought that was from an interview that Shane Goon had. He said he said actual centimeters, which I had to do my metric system deal and try to figure it out. But that's what I thought I had heard. Tari Eason confirmed it that he he's uh, he got bigger. He didn't say specifically a height. He just said Shane Goon got taller. Okay, well, um, let me. I got this other thing about Shangu that I want to talk about because, you know, you hear the nonstop Jokic Shangu comparison. And I didn't think it was fair because of Jokic's size, although that not, could be a, a lot less of a difference as, as we're finding out. But I also have never liked the comparison because of the shooting. Shangu might be able to make up some ground, but Frank, I think Rockets fans miss one major part about Jokic's shot making. <laughs> He releases his shot behind his head, which makes it nearly impossible to block and gives him more time to square up. James Goon release, it's a lot easier to defend. And because neither of those guys get far off the ground, I think that's going to be something that Shane Goon just can't make up with, with Jokic as far as, you know, trying to get to that level of a player. Well, the shooting is one difference they have. Um I, you know, if you look at how they scale, Jokic, even coming into the league, has always been a good shooter. That was, it's always, he's always been a good shooter, almost an elite shooter, especially from the mid range. Um, he expanded out to the three, and it's, it's been good his whole career. So shooting 
is his that's his superpower. He's an elite shooter. Alp, I think, is is probably more of a at his age right now. If you compare it to what Jokic was, he's probably a better post player, and and generating more opportunities in a post and post up situations. The passing, you know, I think they're both gifted passers. Um, I think obviously Jokic, we were comparing a three damn near three time MVP. They're they're similar, but they're different. They have they have similar traits that they, but I don't. They they are they play a different style of game. But I think the the overall overlaps that they have, which is the ability to pass, the ability to play in the post, and um, be able to generate from the post and from the you know mid to high post area open shots and elite passing for their teammates is really what it comes down to. Um, for Alpi to enter that that tier that Jokic is in, even the bottom tier of that level that Jokic is in, that shot has to get a lot better. And I've seen that he's working on that, but that's really important. And it doesn't even have to be a three right now. Can he work on a a, a you know a little eighteen footer? If he can have a little mid range pull up that or a little just a just a spot up shot that he he can shoot on pick and pops or like he already has a little floater that he's shooting like uh, almost fifty percent on. If that keeps trajecting up, it opens up a new world of possibilities for him as an offensive player because you already see all the skills there. He's a great rebounder, damn near a better rebounder than Jokic or Sabonis were um, as as they came into the league. Um, The passing is there. He's strong, very, very strong for his age, plays with good leverage. I just think that the skills to make up for his lack of athleticism, even though he's a better athlete than Jokic, he just needs to have better touch around the basket um, finish better at around the rim and be able to shoot. Start from the mid-range and move your way out. But he's going to be a player that I think he's going to improve every single season that he comes back to the league. If he doesn't, then yeah, it's 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 not. He's not a, a freakish athlete or some massive player to just say that he's just going to bank on his uh, physical tools. So yeah, we'll see. I'm really excited to see how he looks this season. Yeah, I'll just say on the post-up game. I mean, Jokic has turned himself into an elite post-up guy, but yeah. he's done yeah. it because he's got incredible, like some of the best touch of anybody yeah. I've ever seen. And, you know, it's not just the footwork. It's the fact that, like I said, he can get a shot off because he, on the post-up, it's it comes from, you know, behind his head. You know, I try to do it here on video. But, mm-hmm. you know, Shagun, it's more like this. It's, a, it's more of a push, it, like around his head or in front of his head. And I think that's the big difference is it's just, you know, no matter where you are, it's easier to get your shot off if you're as tall as Jokic is. He's got those long arms, which I don't know, you know, where Shed Good's, uh, you know, his wingspan is at this point. But he's got those really long arms, Frank, that I think make a big difference along with the release. Shangun is 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 not as um, the measurables aren't the same, but he's a much better athlete. He's more explosive. So he just needs to. They don't have to be like one-to-one, uh, you know, analogs. He just needs to use what he has to his advantage. Like he, he can actually be a, a lob threat. Like that's Shangun I'm talking about. He can actually do some things. He, he's a more explosive dribbler. He can attack the basket. He's a better rim protector, which is not saying much. Jokic is one of the worst rim protectors in the NBA. It's just, it's just going to be all on him and his shot and his defense. Um, I, the, the Denver run, they run a, a weird defense where they actually don't really try to protect the rim at all. They're always focused on guarding the perimeter. That's their whole thing is guarding the mid-range and the three-point line. And they are one of the best teams at doing that, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. And it's almost a concession of their the weakness of Jokic. They're, they just kind of say, you know what, screw that. You can have all the layups you want. We're not going to let you shoot a lot of threes, and we're not going to let you shoot your mid-range shots. We're going to crowd you. We're going to help. 
and we're going to, you know, overhelp if we have to, but you can have the basket and it works. It's a weird defense. It's very creative, but I, I do think that the Rockets and looking at free agents, we can't afford to do that because we don't have that level of players all around our team. So maybe that's why I like the uh, Turner, adding a guy like Turner, Chris Porzingis, a player that could shoot and also protect that weak side so we can have uh, some defensive uh, presence there without peeing the game. But it's going to take him a couple years. He's a young kid. He's younger than both Sabonis and Jokic were when they came in the NBA. This season coming up, his year three, I think he's going he's gonna to open a lot of eyes as far as because I think at this point, you start seeing the guys who are real and who are not. Same thing for Jalen Green. This is a big year for Jalen. Big year. And if he doesn't show the stuff he needs to show, then you start questioning, you know, what is his long-term projection as a player? So not just scoring 25 points, but can he actually be the leader of a team? We're going to see. We're going to see. This is a big season for his class of players. And I don't know what you thought when you were watching Denver make that run this year, Frank, but I sure hope Jalen Green was watching Jamal Murray's defense. Defense. That yeah. guy played real defense in that run. What talked about a lot, but that was good stuff from Jamal Murray. Yeah, Jamal Murray, even um, uh, what's Michael uh, Michael Porter. He, he is, I mean, he's not a great defender, but they were just, guys were just trying. And you you know they wanted this. Aaron Gordon, I, th- I hope they were watching everybody. You yeah. know, uh, Brown, you know, that whole team was just locked in and and it just shows what you have to do. And Jamal, some nights he'll score 30, some, some nights he'll score 12. Um, but that never waxed and waned his effort on that other side of the ball, which is with Jalen, what we tend to see when his shot's not dropping. He kind of just becomes uh, nothing on the court. He's not even there. He doesn't try. He doesn't run back. Uh, he needs to get over that. Like, bro, like you, my thing, I made a video um, about Jalen's projections and trying to compare him to some of the great two guards in the NBA. And, not, you know, for me, the conclusion is if he's not going to be a two-way player, then he's not going to be a star. Sure. All the great two guards, all the great two guards, you name them in NBA history and all of them, they're all NBA, the Hall of Fame, the Pantheon guys are all they've made all defensive teams. And and whether it's Wade, Kobe, like you name it, Jordan, um, even Iverson to a lesser extent, Iverson, you know, he he played defense, even though he wasn't great at it. But the way that um, Larry Brown used their team allowed him to roam and and use his skill set to 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 um, to his advantage. But. If Jalen is not a two-way player, he's just he's might as well be a six man. Scoring is the is one of the most useless skills to have in the NBA. I know that's gonna mess with some people's minds, but listen to what I'm saying. If you're just a scorer, that's all you do. That's why those guys are six men. Yeah. A coach would rather put a guy that could play defense or rebound as a starter than a guy that could drop 30 every night and not play anything. The reason you get the James Hardens of the world, because guess what James does? He also facilitates. And Jalen is not a savant with the ball in his hand. So his two things are going to be, he got to be a good defender. So I'm hoping to see a leap in that side of the ball for him. Yeah, I think Devin Booker and Jamal Murray, those should be a couple of guys that he looks up to. Um, Besides James Harden, Frank, which free agents do you believe the Rockets have a real shot at? And for example, I know the Lakers are going to pay Austin Reeves the most money that he could possibly get, which is four years, a hundred million. So I, I, I just don't call that realistic. And unless you get really stupid with Cam Johnson, the Nets are matching just about anything. So who do you think of all these guys listed? And, I, and I'm talking the role players, not the James Hardens. 
Who do you think is the most realistic of some of those guys that we've heard, Vetch? You know, the Brooke Lopez's and, and players like that. Yeah, I think, um, I, you know, I think Brooke Lopez is realistic for them to target. It seems like Dylan Brooks is going to be a rocket for some weird reason. I, I really, I'm not thrilled about that uh, for them to try to get him. Uh, it's really, I think the Rockets can really, they can overpay for a lot of, a lot of players that they want. Um, you know, I don't, I just, the James Harden thing to the side, I think James is probably, if if he's not going to get a max over here, I don't see why he should come back. To me, that's the only reason he should come back to Houston. If he doesn't come, you got 60 plus million. Um, I would break that up over trying to get a, a scoring, um, a shooting wing, get some shooting on the team, um, try to sign a a center. Um, you know, there's there's some, you know, like the Nas Reeds of the world are out there. You've mentioned Brooke Lopez, um, you know, try to get a point guard. Uh, can you try to get a, a Mike Conley over here? Can you try to get a Pat, even Patrick Beverly? Can you try to swing, maybe get into trade market to try to get Marcus Smart off of Boston? Because Boston, they're going to have to let one of their guys go um, if they're going to sign Jalen to that big contract, uh, whether it's uh, going to be Brogdon or smart or white one of those guys somebody's going to be an odd man out so if i'm the rockets i'm just looking at this market there was a um, i was listening to i think it was on the low post um and uh the guest on there who's who's is leaving me right now um he was saying uh that the, uh, i think it was a uh what's his name sean marks or bobby marks whichever one one of the the marks guy he yeah, said bobby that marks. the rockets can, bobby marks he said the rockets control free agency because depending on what we do with our cap space, it's going to set off the domino effect around the NBA. So I think we're in a good position in the free agent market. Um, but it, it's just, to me, they just have to be smart and think about the long-term plan. I would be mad if we made dumb moves to try to really, really win now that undercut us for the long for the next three to five years because you don't do all this losing we've done over the, these past three years to get to this point and sabotage your cap flexibility, sabotage your roster just to try to be a six, seven seed and get bounced in the first round. So I think they need to, whatever moves they make, they need to keep the big picture in mind of, um, you know, of the long-term goal of trying to build a, a real contender like Denver. It took Denver eight years to get to the point where they want to ring eight years since they drafted Nikola Jokic ups and downs, uh, play a first round exit, second round exit, went to the conference finals, uh, you know, just bad season, good seasons, fire the coach, do this, but just sticking to it and letting your guys develop that chemistry is the, is the best plan. It's proven over and over. The best way to be build a contender is to build through the draft. You can add free agents here and there as they come available, but you got to build through the draft and develop these guys so they can develop that cohesion and be able to work together to try to bring a chip back to your city. Yeah, and typically there there is a history in the NBA of the Stars. It's their seventh season or their eighth season, even with Michael Jordan. We've seen it over and over again. And Jalen Green is in his third season, and and that's it's going to take a while. But um, right. I, you know, you, you, we talked about the big guys, and Brooke Lopez would be. I think me and you both agree that would be the number one big guy to get because he can also space the floor. You mentioned Porzingis; he scares me just because of his injury history, anybody that has injuries history, like right. Porzingis or Zion, those guys, I, to me, it's a stay away with those guys because I, I, I'm just too freaked out, especially with the new CBA because you put a lot of money in one guy and then that guy gets hurt. You're stuck with the new 
you know, apron and, and you're limited as far as what you can go out and do. Uh, but also, uh, Clint Capella, what about him? What do you think about acquiring somebody like Clint Capella? Cause basically, you know, the Hawks might just be want off of his salary. So you could give them, you know, a Jay Shad Tate or a KJ Martin, or maybe even both of them. And then you take back more salary for Clint Capella. Cause you know, I've said before, I'll say it again. I think Tate and KJ Martin, I, I just don't think you're going to want to give them another contract, you know, when you have to redo it. And for me, they're, they're backups. They're 12 to 15 to 20 minute guys on the champion. You could find those guys down the road. I would rather, you know, let them go before you got to pay them again. So, you know, you could go, go get a Clint Capella with maybe one or two of those guys. Yeah. I mean, to me, Clint would have to come with a point guard. Um, if, if, if we did sign James Harden, then I'm all for the Clint Capella thing. If we actually got, um, a Fred Van Vliet or, um, you know, some, a, a, a Mike Conley, somebody that could actually utilize Clint because Clint is only as good as the guard that he's playing with as far as on the offensive end. I know he's a hell of a rebounder, um, but the fit issues there. Um, I just, I, yeah, I just, unless they think Kevin Porter can be play that uh, pick and roll game with him. Um, I don't really think KPJ is going to be able to be a point guard on the playoff team. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I love Clint Capella. Um, I just think that he needs that Trey Young, James Harden, kind of Luca type of guard around him to really maximize the nuance of that pick and roll with him. Otherwise teams are just going to, you know, just pack the paint and just force whoever the ball handler is to make a decision or shoot. And we've seen our guys really crash out on that. Um, I think um, if we could get a guy that could stretch the floor, if not, if you're going to go with a a typical rim runner um, shot blocker, then, you know, you know, guys like, you know, Bismack, Biombo, just some backup guys you could bring in for that role. I wouldn't put any real money into that position if they can't shoot or at least help stretch the floor a little bit just based on the makeup of our team. If I just want a guy that gives me an alternate look, then, yeah, I'll probably get a, um, you know, secondary type of uh, a guy that can come off the bench or start in certain lineups and matchups um, to be on the team um, and, and just go from there. But they do they need that archetype because Shangun and uh, – and uh, what's the Garuba? They're not going to cut it. And 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 uh, Boban trying to win the playoffs. You need more more versatility on your roster. Um, I'm all for having players with different skill sets, but um, any championship team, you got to be able to go to different types of guys and different looks. You got to be versatile. And I feel like uh, we in that in that front court, we need a lot more athleticism and a lot more length. Um, and and you and younger players, not the variants of going from a Garuba to a Boban is just, it's not, it's not conducive to winning. Yeah. I wanted to ask, you mentioned Van Bleed. I wanted to ask you about him. I I don't know. I'm a little scared because it feels like you're going to have to give, well, you're going to have to give Van Bleed a four-year contract if he's going to come to the Rockets. Now, if he goes to, you know, the Suns or something like that, he might take a small, a shorter deal. But with Van Bleed, it, I just feel like if you're going to pay him upwards of $30 million, for a guy that is not really a great facilitator, he's more of a, a guy that's a spot-up shooter, and you're going to need another facilitator potentially. And, and he's also not big; he's six foot two, so he's not this super switchable guy in that defense or something like that. And on four years, again with this new CBA, 
I'm real careful about who I'm going to spend more than like 15 or $20 million on. That's my concern with Van Vliet. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm not a, I used to be, you know, someone that would um, advocate for him, but the more I thought about it in the fit on our team, it's just not, not, it's not there. I don't think that um, he would be a great fit um, because once again, we need somebody that could run the show. I think there's a lot of interesting scoring on our team already. Um, that's why I feel like once again, back to the draft, if we came out of the draft with Cam Whitmore, I would honestly, I'm not saying Cam is not going to be a great NBA player. He might even be, you know, a really good all-star level. I just think as far as winning a championship, if you can't get a blue chip guard, and then the great thing about the position of guard is that they don't have to be like this 30 point per game score to be blue chip, like a Rajon Rondo. Um, you can have a guard that you draft high. That's just a guy that plays hella defense and, is really just a savant in running your show and just getting guys in position and just controlling the game. And even if they never cracked scoring over 20 points per game, but they're a, you know, a 19 and an eight guy, 19, eight and eight type of guy, that's worth a top four or five pick to me. And that's why I just think that the Rockets really need to leave out of this draft by hook or crook. They need somebody that we can get not even just for this season or the next three years, whatever contracts we're going to give to a free agent guard, a veteran guard that you can build along with the LPs, the Jalen's of the world, the next five years out as you're giving these guys contracts, give them somebody that they can pair up with. Cause assuming that we, we do pan out with these players, we're not going to be drafting high in the lottery in the future anytime soon. So while you're here, man, take the swing and just go in and grab. If, if Thompson is there, you take him. You know, if, if if he's not there, trade back. Um, trade back and try to see if you can grab one of these, uh, you know, uh, you, there's some, you know, Anthony Black or somebody like that, and maybe you can get some more assets out of that. Get a guard out of the draft. I think that should be mission number one for the Rockets. So we don't have to pay Fred for, for Van Fleet 35 or whatever million um, to come here and shoot uh, 38% from the, from the court. Yeah, it was interesting you, you talk about a guy that you, you want a facilitator at the point guard position. But, you know, you and I both thought around the early in the season, mid-season, that maybe Shangoon could be the facilitator of the offense. Do you feel like there's any chance that with Udoka, maybe he's going to be able to better coach at a Shangoon-hubbed offense, especially because, you know, when he was in Boston, they had a point guard like Marcus Smart, and, and it wasn't you know, somebody that was a facilitator. He was just a guy that sort of brought the ball up and sort of held the ship together. You know, do you feel like at all it's worth like seeing what Udoka could do with maybe Shagun and, and having some guy that's more of like a Marcus Smart as a point guard, just somebody that can do a lot of different things, but not necessarily as a great facilitator? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question and a point because their offense the that he ran in Boston, I don't know how he's going to, if he runs the same thing here, it doesn't really there. It's basically getting mismatches and attacking them and getting feet in the paint. Drive and kick is Yudoka's concepts. Drive, kick, attack the closeouts and keep kicking out and passing till you get a great shot. If you want to just zoom out and 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 summarize what he his, he preaches on offense, that's what it is. It's always attacking those closeouts, getting feet in the paint, and generating quality three point shots for your teammates. And I think the Rockets have the personnel to do that. Uh, if you look how they use. Um, uh, uh, you know, their, their centers there, both Grant and Horford, 
they screen a lot with them. Um, but it's using some of the comments that Yudoka made about Shane Goon about his passing, I think it opens up a new world of where you can do a lot of interesting things with Shane Goon as a ball handler and being able to facilitate for the guards because um, he's a gifted passer. And, uh, you know, the Celtics, they cut a lot as well. So it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I don't think it's going to be the hub thing, the Shangun hub, because that's, it just doesn't seem like the type of offense they run. But Shangun's skills are going to be more maximized because it's not going to be how we saw with Silas where it was, okay, we're going to run 95% pick and rolls. Then to appease Shangun and appease people like me and you, we're going to dump off the ball in the post while everybody stands with their hands on their hips and watches him ISO. Uh, and then we do five of those a game and we're good for the day. Cause that's what it felt like Silas was doing. Like just to, let me just throw this in there to shut people up um, with the Shangun post-ups. You're going to see with Yudoka there, he's going to use Shangun's passing post-up gravity in context of the actual flow of the offense, which is what we all wanted to see. It's not that they're going to use them like Jokic where they're dumping them off every time, but when he does get a post-up guys are going to be cutting, setting screens, flare screens on the weak side where he's expecting to know that if, if they come with a double, his reads are going to be there. It's going to open up a whole new world. And I, I just, I'm just excited to see our guys play because I don't think we've, they, those kids have never been under a coach, like a real, I mean, a real, a, a real NBA coach that actually has the experience of being a head coach that's coach high level athletes and players and taking the team to the championship. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun to see. I'm really, really excited. Yeah, it's interesting because you say what he did in Boston, but he didn't have Shane Goon in Boston. And I feel That's, like yeah. if you're a really great coach, you adapt to your players. And Udoka came from San Antonio. And I don't think that Boston's offense that, you know, we saw the last couple of years is exactly what Popovich does in San Antonio. It's a little bit different. So I think he, he knows how to adapt pretty well the difference like Silas could adapt but I think Udoka you know he has the ability to adapt because I don't feel like San Antonio and Boston's offense was exactly the same yeah that's what I meant by when I said um Shangun's post-ups are going to be in the context and when they use him like Boston used Al Horford to screen he would roll try to get a mismatch in a post if the double team but I think with Shangun and what I'm from what may had said in some of the comments and how he's impressed with his passing, they can do some interesting things with short rolling or having Shangun be the ball handler or guard setting screens for him to get him on a mismatch or just, I mean, it opens up a whole new world of things that you could add. But I think at base, what their offensive philosophy is from him and, um, and uh, the coach from Utah, I'm forgetting his name right now. Uh, they it's, it's about, it's five out spacing and, and cutting and passing, which is, a modernized, I guess, Popovich um, concepts. It's still the same thing. They just do it from five out. It's still going to be the same. I'm interested to see um, how they're going to use. I'm sure they're going to be sets where it looks like they're running some of the stuff you would see with Tim Duncan, where he's in a in a, in a post up, and you're going to have almost some triangle type uh, things where the guys on the corner and the wings are going to cut off of Shane Goon, and you get some motion off of that. I mean, you're going to see a lot of different stuff because, like you said, great coaches adjust to their players. Um, Silas did not adjust. I disagree with you there. I don't think he, that was, it was his issue. He couldn't adjust. Um, he would, it almost was so apparent that he was trying to please, okay, give Shangun a post up because nobody, everybody just stood there and watched. So like whenever yeah, Shangun, yeah. they would do the Shangun stuff, they just stood there. Like I would be screaming, cut, cut, cut. 
And it seemed like the only person that cut was uh, KJ Martin. And so just, yeah, I, I'm ready for all that to be done. I think the fan base, we're about to see some real basketball and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I, I, I hope I wasn't misinterpreted. My jaw's kind of screwed up. But yeah, I was saying, yeah, Silas couldn't adjust. And and uh, and and obviously, I think Udoka can't adjust. And I just yeah. look at the difference in what he was doing with Robert Williams out there offensively than when he didn't have Robert Williams in there yeah. in yeah. Boston. And that tells you, like, he can do a, a variety of different things with different players. So Capella might be the Robert Williams offense. And then if he That's doesn't have point. Capella in, it could be, you know, a totally different. If it's Jabari and Shagoon, it could be more like what you're talking about potentially. But, you know, I just feel like, um, you know, he could do a lot of different things. And I'm really excited to see what he could do. And, and I'm really excited to see what you guys are doing over at the Chop Shop because uh, you guys have been putting out a lot of content, right? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, I was worried that there wouldn't be a lot to do in this dead off season, but. There's always something coming up, especially leading up to the draft. And it's crazy. The draft is like five days away. Um, yeah, we uh, we still doing the live streams and uh, putting out videos. We'll be doing a live stream for the draft night. So, yeah, if y'all are interested in seeing people freak out and have panic attacks in real time, join us. Yeah, and if you're listening and yeah, if you're listening, by the way, and you're not watching us on YouTube, it's uh, I, I forget to say this for those of you listening, but it's at ftank fifty eight on twitter again it's rockets chop shop on youtube go check it out man i can't wait to see what's going to happen in the next two weeks frank this is like two of the biggest weeks in rockets history for me man it is going to be crazy this may determine our trajectory for the next three to five years so um yeah fingers crossed man if we somehow get scoot henderson man i'm just gonna i don't know man i might cry but we'll see (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah i'm not betting on it yeah i just think it's it, somebody's gonna tr- trade up and i just don't think the rockets yeah. have the assets uh, that's just me yeah but uh man yeah. good to see you and uh good to be back and uh we'll talk again real soon hopefully next time we talk we're gonna have an actual uh draft choice to talk about and, and uh and then down the road some free agents as well appreciate you for having me man you're listening to houston sports talk Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.